you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3, we're going to talk about God's heart for missions. This is the first of a five-part series on missions, and it's not just to take notes, it's to take action. So I just thought that up my, by myself, but uh, hey, some good news as you're turning to that. Did you guys see this on the football field yesterday? Did I just lose? Am I still on? Okay, my volume just went way down. Uh, Due to the guy getting hurt on the field at Monday Night Football game, before the game yesterday, between Jacksonville and the Titans, now, the winner of this game goes on to play in the playoffs, the loser goes home. So a lot is at stake, and yet they put all their competition aside and got down in the middle of the field and took a knee and prayed. Now, it looks like there's cameras in the middle, it looks like they're pointed toward Travis uh, Lawrence, the quarterback for the Jaguars. Next to him, it looks like there's a chaplain, so I think they're the two in the center. Uh, but what a refreshing picture that uh, God has used this tragedy for good. By the way, uh, the guy is better and getting better by the, the, the day in his hospital. So... Uh, I guess it's okay to pray again on football fields. Uh, if you know the story of Coach Joe, what was his name? Anyway, Coach Joe was a high school football coach, took a 15 second, uh, went on the knee in the middle of the field and just prayed silently and he got fired. Took it to the Supreme Court, he got reinstated. But uh, what a blessing to see this and to see it covered on the, uh, on the on football field. <laughs> On the, uh, by the commentators. All right. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Look at this. I have it for you on the overhead. Uh, God is not willing that any should perish. Perish means go to hell, okay? God's not willing. He's not getting excited about sending people to hell. Uh, but he wants everybody to come to repentance. Now, some people take that, oh, this is God's will, and uh, this is God's heart. And well, it is God's heart for missions, but they think that in the end, God's just going to wink at sin and say, everybody gets in that after all. Like, we're all going to get up and get, get into heaven. That's not what this means. Uh, that would be called an isogesis. Remember, we covered this a while ago. Isolate, uh, isogesis is where I isolate a scripture and I lift it out of the context. I don't want to know what the surrounding scriptures say. I just take this one, lift it up, and build my own teaching or doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. That's an isogesis. But we want to do exogesis. Exogesis means I expand from that. I leave it in context. I want it in context, and I want to be able to explain it in context and in a way that's consistent with other scriptures. So here's, here's how to do it in, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. In context, the Lord is not, is, is not slack concerning his promise. Now, he's been talking about Jesus coming back, and we wish it would happen soon, and he's talking about God judging the world. And then people are going, why is it taking so long? And so he says, look, the Lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some would consider slackness, but as long-suffering towards us, and then it says, not willing that any should perish, but all should be, would come to him, turn to him. I, I personally don't like suffering, let alone long suffering, but I'm glad that that's how God treats me. Even last week, 
and the week before, and the week before, that God has been so patient with me and with you, that God is so long-suffering toward us. Now, in the context of what he's been sharing, he's already said, God didn't spare the angels, talking about God's judgment. If you think about it, angels are up there in heaven. They're beholding the holiness of God. They're in glory with him, and, and yet they fell. We believe one-third of the angels fell with Satan. And you think God would say, okay, guys, let's come on, tighten it up, let's get it together. I'll overlook this when he goes, no. He didn't spare the angels. You know how, who else he didn't spare? Sodom and Gomorrah. In context, he's talking about how God judged homosexual sin in the Old Testament. Don't try to rewrite the Bible. I always say, I didn't write the Bible, I'm not here to rewrite the Bible. Can you imagine you're going outside and instead of rain coming down or snow or even hail, instead it's fire and brimstone and it's killing everybody. And so in the context he's saying, God, God has, he, he didn't spare the angels, he didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah. Jesus, so it, when he leads up to this verse, he's saying, look, Jesus will return. That's really good news. I have a friend that every time he texts me lately, Jesus is coming back. And that's what's getting us through sometimes. So Jesus is going to return. God will judge, but in the meantime, he wants people to repent and to come. So the reason it seems like it's delayed, it's because God has this heart for people. And he wants them to come to the knowledge of truth and to turn from their evil way. Last week, we talked about all things new. Remember that, uh, that verse in 2 Corinthians 5 that if anyone, don't leave your name out, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything's new. And, and we talked about the two creations. First, God created the heavens and the earth. And that was the easy part because it was out of nothing. And yet the second creation, if you will, is the believer. That's the hard one because he has to deal with my attitudes and my slothfulness and my sinfulness and my reluctance to submit to his touch. But if I have this genuine, what we call the second creation, if you will, all things are new. And now I'm walking with this God. I'm that's what we call a walk. We're with him, and it's a God of missions. It's a God on a mission. So if I'm walking with him, I'm also on a mission. With that in mind, I'd like to welcome up one of our missionaries who just happens to be visiting. Great timing, Steve. Great timing. Could you welcome up Steve? Uh, see, we have, we have steps over there for old people. Just... Uh, we have a microphone for you. You can, it's not on. It's not on. We didn't want to, we didn't want it to work, but you can, there. No, there. All right. All right. Now, wait, first I have some pictures. Oh. Here's uh, Steve giving ukulele lessons. That, that's not him. No, you're on. I'm on, okay. And here is one of the first grades. Steve's first overseeing grade. two schools on two different islands. Uh, they're in the Philippines. Is that you? I don't know. It's not on? What'd you do? It says it's on. Uh, Tyler's going to hook you up. Tyler comes in handy a lot, so 
He makes okay. us look good, too. Yeah, okay. there it goes. You want me to Thanks. sing, Marlene? Okay, right. for you. Do you speak in tongues? Here. Okay, here he is. Here's Steve and his wife, Herlin, and uh, daughter, yes. Ella, who are here in the front row. Uh, remember, was it September, October, we sent hundreds of boxes, yes. Christmas boxes. Steve thought it was all for him, so here he is opening <laughs> yeah. them all. But actually, they got there in time and blessed all the students and all the staff at both yeah. schools, right? Yes. So it's wonderful having you up here. I'm just talking for okay. you. <laughs> uh, and here's Herlin. Oh, she does this, these village outreaches. They want you to move. You're saying, could you get out of the way? No, that's Danny. Hey, you in front. <laughs> anyway, she does these outrageous. I mean, this girl. Yes. I've seen you carry heavy weights up these hilly areas and into the remote villages. They, she does like a mini BBS, Vacation Bible School, and then shares the gospel. She feeds them, and it's amazing. Every week. Uh, yeah. So, Steve, with that in mind, I had questions for you. <laughs> did you get the questions? Uh, yes, I did. Am I prepared? Did you like them? <laughs> All sure. right. Steve, you are a widower, an NSCF yes. board of director. Yes. Teaching in Ohana Bible study, and you had a nice job. Yes. How did you get interested in missions? Well, Mike, um, in the beginning. <laughs> oh, okay. You know I have a sermon, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, actually, um, as you mentioned, I was sitting on the board of directors, and um, I learned a long time ago that this church is all about missions. Um, this beautiful building that we rent each Sunday uh, allows this church to pour into missions. Um, there's no building. And uh, I remember reading a book I think you gave us once is, you know, do we really need a building? And no, this, you know, Jesus didn't say, go out, build a cathedral. It's, this is the body of Christ. This is the church, you know. And, and, and over the decades, uh, 45 plus years, I believe, right? Um, Waimea Valley and all. So anyways, I, that's how I first began uh, that I found out about missions. And this mission in particular, um, as I was serving on a board, I believe you received a letter from a couple missionaries mm -hmm. in the Philippines uh, Dan and Tori Beaver, who had been missionaries in Manila for 20-plus years, they were sent out from Calvary Chapel, Santa Ana, in California. And they had served their time. Their youngest had, had been raised up through high school, and they were wondering what God was going to lead them to do next, whether to go back to the U.S. or maybe another mission. God gave them a vision of coming to Boracay, building a ministry center, and training up pastors and church leaders from the surrounding regions before they go out. You see, the Philippines is a sending nation. I don't think you can go to many places in this world where there aren't Filipinos. Filipinos are very loving people. They're hard workers. They're dedicated to their families. Most of them work abroad and send money back home to their families. As we well know here in, the, in Hawaii, there's many Filipinos. I think this is um, maybe the the as Las Vegas is to Hawaii, Hawaii is to the Philippines, is the ninth island, so to speak, maybe the 7,001st island, something like that. But anyways, um, so they sent out, after they got that vision, they sent a letter out to 500 churches in the U.S., and only one of those churches initially replied. That was North Shore. 
And so there was, uh, I believe, three couples on the first mission that went down. They were kind of the Joshua and Caleb team. And they went down to just kind of check it out, see what's going on down there. And they came back and said, yes, this is a good thing. And from that point on, we started sending teams down each year to help with the construction of this ministry center. And during that time, um, my good friend, Randall and Marlene, uh, I believe they were on the second trip uh, and began then. And after their return, every Sunday, as they were greeters at this door over here, I'd walk in and say, so, Steve, when are you going to Borkai? <laughs> and it got to the point where I would find out what door they were at and go in another door. <laughs> but as time went on, I got to know about the mission, and, and as Mike said, I became a widower. Um, I, I knew that God had greater things for me. I wasn't sure what that was. I wasn't sure. I didn't think I was going to be a missionary in Boracay or anything like that, but I had time. And so I started praying uh, for the different missions and, and where I go. I grew up in Southern California. I thought I might end up in Mexico since we have a mission team down there. Um, but as, as Randall persisted, I eventually came to one of the mission interest meetings that we will, in fact, be having on Tuesday in the K room across the street at 7 p.m. for all of you to come join us. We might need to have it here, Mike, to fit everybody in. Um, Great and, uh So anyways, that's where I went, and that's how I initially got introduced. Um, and I went on, on, on a short-term mission. And when I went, all I could hear is, why not, Steve? Why not, Steve? And when God asks you that, well, because I have a really good job? My 401K is growing? Um, I'm comfortable? No. And so I went, and God moved in an amazing way. And being kind of a, a fresh widower, um, I found peace, peace like no other. That trip was amazing, and I'd love to share more, but yes, I know you have uh, a sermon to do later, and, and uh, so Tuesday, Tuesday in the K room, we'll be going into detail on all those specifics, but it's been an amazing journey, and God is moving, and I think, believe the church just finished a study not too long ago, the Black Bee study. Experiencing God. Yeah, and you look, you know, you don't sit there on your couch waiting, oh God, when are you ever going to get here, you know, I'm waiting on you. No, you go. You look to see where God is at work, and that's where you go. And God will move in amazing ways. And I've, I'm just so blessed to be there and, and a front lighter for the, this body of Christ that God is working with. So, all right, you got another question? Should I close my prayer now? <laughs> that, that was really good. Hey, just quickly, we're going to go okay. off notes here. All right. Uh, all the Christmas presents, how did that turn out? That was amazing. Um, you know, it had been the pandemic, and it had been two and a half, almost three years, I think. And this church uh, began by sending Christmas boxes, Good Samaritan's Purse, I believe. Yeah. Um, Samaritan's Purse, sending boxes, shoe boxes full of goodies out. And when we, you know, became involved with this mission down in the Philippines, we have two schools that we're a part of. And so um, we wanted to bless those children, and instead of doing the Samaritan's Purse, we filled up those gallon Ziploc bags, like many of you did. And some of you took plenty of bags. And we blessed over 400 students wow, down there with that. Um, 
I, I contacted my mom, Marlene, and said, uh, can we do both schools this year? And she said, oh, boy, okay. And so she pulled together the mission, Calvary Chapel Wahiwa, and the principals, retired principals association, and all of you together blessed these children up here with Christmas gifts that I wish you could all be there. I mean, to see the smiles on those faces. Many of these kids, uh, they, their parents pray for rice each day. The kids up here in the, the Ati school, uh, these are an indigenous tribe. It, it's kind of the, like the untouchables in India. These children, because they're dark skin, are outcast in society in the Philippines. And so this school provides an education for them, whereas the public schools, they were always bullied and outcast, and not many of them ever went to school. So now we have a school exclusively for them. And so, anyways, to see those kids, their faces, um, being blessed by all of you and your hands, we're just so thankful. And I thank all of you for allowing us the opportunity to be there, to love on them, encourage them, pray with them, teach them the Word of God. If uh, someone's sitting here and says, you know what, I've never gone on a short-term mission, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm interested, what would they be doing on a short-term mission? To First of all, I'll show up at the K-Room on Tuesday at 7 p.m. If I, if I haven't said that yet, I, I don't know, I may I, you know. Uh, but yes, uh, what can you do? You don't have to go to seminary school to be a missionary. I never did. You know, I led some Bible studies, some prayer meetings here. Um, I read God's Word, and, and he, he sent me down there. But you don't have to have, you know, don't ever think that, oh, I'm not qualified enough. If, if you can lift a box, you can go. If you can love on children, you can go. If you have a heart for maybe construction, if, if, if you have skills, you, each and every one of you have a gift, and you can use that gift in any way down there in the Philippines. I mean, to love on those kids, to help us build. If you want to evangelize, there's evangelism you can go out and do. Um, my wife, that's her gifting is evangelism. She goes to the different villages and prays with people and introduces them to Jesus. We have a Muslim village just behind our school. 30% of our student population at Jubilee, this Jubilee Academy, are Muslim students that we're pouring into. And uh, that might seem a little radical. Um, and yeah, maybe it is. But God, who do we serve? We serve an awesome God. So you can just go and hang with people. Absolutely. Uh, they're, usually they're amazed on short-term missions. Like, you came how far? Thousands of miles yes. to tell me about Jesus? Okay, tell me. So, hey, can we have Nakamura's come on up? Well, these senior Nakamura's. Did I just say that? Uh, Berlin, Ella, can you come up too and we'll have these guys pray for you? All right. Now, do you want me to give the mic to Marlene? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Randall's going to pray. <laughs> Mike will not have his message. They just... <laughs> Let's pray. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness all these years. Lord, how you've ordained this ministry for your glory and your honor and your praise. Father, we ask that you would uh, continue to cover Steve and Herlin and Michaela and the whole ministry, Lord. Uh, continue to provide for the needs. Lord, um, you know how great the harvest is. So we're asking you would bring the laborers, Lord God, right, 
right now, Lord, you'd be moving on somebody's heart or uh, even Tuesday evening, Lord God. But, Lord, um, we just want this to be uh, pleasing in your sight. And, Lord, accomplish your will for the people of the Philippines. So we thank you again. Give all the honor, praise, and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you guys. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Hey, uh, last time I went, I think it was the last time, it was me and Thunder. <laughs> you were 16? Left your laptop at the... Faith, he needed you a long time ago. I just, like, he was... But uh, it was fun. When we close, you down for leading us in a song? No pressure. We're on the World Wide Web, but... Uh, great, great. All right, back to... The Bible. So we talked about what? You're hungry? You're leaving church? You speak and then you leave. They're going to the Sunday school, just so you know. They're just, but they'll be there Tuesday night. All right. So we've got two meetings coming up. One, is, as Steve said, for the Philippines. If you're interested, uh, come join us on Tuesday night. If, uh, if you're looking more like Costa Rica and Mexico, uh, that's coming up in two weeks from today, uh, right after church. All right. So number one, it was God's heart for missions and to explain. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He wants people to repent. Second one is found in Genesis 12. Um, and yeah, this is a shorter sermon. We're making room for our, our missionaries. So uh, if you turn to Genesis 12, uh, it's God's mission call to Abraham, the father of Israel, but because through him it went through the nation Israel, he's calling the nation Israel to be a missions group. So this is what he says. And I've got it, I, I got it up here for you all. He's God speaking to Abraham. You shall be a blessing. Okay, before you get into any further, are you a blessing? Are you good news? Because that's what uh, we're supposed to be. Oh yeah, sometimes there's John the Baptist, there's a called to be salt. And I think it's a severe missing ingredient a lot. But are you a blessing? So first to Abraham, you know, I'm going to bless you, but you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who curse, or bless you, who bless you and curse those who curse you. America would go, do good to wake up and bless Israel again. Psalm 122. There's peace for those who pray for thee, who pray for prosperity for, for Israel. God says, I'll bless those who bless you. So in, all, in you, all the families, this is the mission call, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So it's a call to missions. Notice it says, all the families. He said, I, I, Abraham, I want you to have this, a vision, if you will, that God wants to reach all kinds of people in, in every area of the world, even regardless of what sin they've done. God wants to reach them. So, but the Jews became selective. They go, let's just have it a Jewish thing. And we'll, we'll be selective. We'll, we'll be disgusted with the sin of, of the Samaritans, of the Assyrians, of the Babylonians. We're not going to tell them about the good news. We're going to hold it back from them because we can't stand them. And so when Jesus comes along thousands of years later and tells a parable on purpose using what they would think was an oxymoron, a good Samaritan. No, 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 no. 
It's a good Jew or a bad Samaritan. You can't have, there's no such animal. His people are going, no, don't you mean the Jews, the good Jews? And then he'd go on and say, remember, it's all the families. So when Jesus said this, could you ever think of it this way? Nicodemus, I know you're a big shot. You're part of the big 70, the Sanhedrin. We're alone at night. God so loved the world. Wait a minute. Don't you mean he loved the Jews? No, he loved the whole. See, you didn't take the mission far enough. You just took it to your people, those you're comfortable with, those who live the way you do, who follow the rules like you do. You, you just limited to them instead of just taking it to the whole world because God loves the whole world. This is a mind-blowing concept to the Jews. I thought it was us. The promise is if we bless them, they'll bless us, and you'll bless us. And God says, I'm, I'm taking it to the whole world. So here's how Jesus took it way further. So in Luke chapter 4, remember he went into church one day into the synagogue. He starts reading in Luke and said, hey, this day, this has been fulfilled in your midst. He's talking about a mission call. Look at this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's bizarre to be able to say that. Do you know what you're claiming? I mean, we take it so flippantly. God Almighty, who has Shekinah glory dwelling there, and he has anointed me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel, not specifically to the, well, it was to the Jews first, but also to the Gentiles. He said, I've been sent to the poor. The poor Jews? No, the poor. Matter of fact, it goes on. Uh, I've been sent to the poor, to the brokenhearted. Maybe you qualify. I, I've been sent to the captives. I want to set them free. I, I don't like them all caged up. I, I, I've been sent to the blind and to the oppressed, not just to the Jews. But like the Jews of the Old Testament, we can repeat the same mistakes. We can develop attitudes. So you know what? I find that sin disgusting. And so I'm not going to reach them. Well, how, how, how can we change that? Uh, I want to talk about, this is the last part. God's heart for missions. First, we talked about how he doesn't want anyone to go to hell. But I want to tell you a story from 2 Samuel. It's actually chapters 13 and 14. It wasn't the first time one brother killed another. If you remember, Cain killed Abel. In Genesis chapter 4, the first two brothers in the history of the world and one kills the, the other. If you're familiar with it, God says to Cain, why are you so down? Why? You're, it's all over your face. You're down. And sin is knocking at your door and it's temptation. It, 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 it wants to rule over you using the same Terminology in chapter 3 where the woman wants to rule over the husband. There'd be this conflict all in, inbuilt. It wants to rule over, but, but if you do good, <laughs> you, you can overcome this. Cain went out and killed his brother. Imagine how Adam and Eve felt because they're going, this goes back to my sin. If I didn't bite that fruit, this would have never happened. And, and so it gets complicated but now, another time, we read of two brothers. One kills the other. 
And these are David's kid, King David. Absalom wasn't his firstborn, but it was one early on. He had a lot of kids. And then Absalom had a half-brother. So David was the same dad, different mom. So Absalom had, uh, his half-brother was Amnon. If you're familiar with the Testament, this is why I like to read through the Bible at least once a year. You're familiar with the story. Oh yeah, Amnon raped his half-sister Tamar. And Tamar was Absalom's full sister. Okay? So Absalom was so mad and would not forgive and had his brother killed. So David is, is struck by him. David has such bitterness for Absalom. But he's conflicted in heart. It, one verse says, every day he longed to see Absalom. Every day he hurt. For, My son, what have you done? You just, and, and maybe David's thinking, this goes back to my sin with Bathsheba because Nathan the prophet said, the sword will never depart from your family. It'll never be the same again. Absalom, what did you do? So Absalom runs for his life, finds lodging with another king in another land. Every day, David has this conflict. He longs for his son and yet so mad at him for killing his brother. So then this wise woman of Tekoa comes. If you know the story, Joab was King David's commander-in-chief, and he, he sets up this whole thing. So this wise woman of Tekoa, go talk to David, tell him the story. If you tell, you know, word picture really works for David. That's how Nathan got him to see his sin with, with Bathsheba. Remember, one king had a lot of lambs, one had one lamb. He killed the one lamb. So it's a word picture, and David saw himself as the sinner. So here is another word picture. That, and she goes, look, uh, David, I, I, I'm glad I get to talk to you, but I'm a widow. My husband's dead. I had two sons. And they were boys. They, 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 you know, they got another fight. It, that's, that's how they are. They're, and one killed the other. So now I have no husband. I minus one son. But the villagers came to my door. They wanted... They want me to hand over my other son so they can kill him too. And then my, my embers will be gone. There's no more flame in my life. And David says, listen, I'll take care of it. No one's going to hurt your son. She gets him to say it three times. Finally, it sounds like he's a little man. Not one hair is going to drop to the ground. You got my word on it. So David, the word picture works. She goes, well... David, why then have you schemed such a thing against the people of God? And he said, what, what are you talking about? He said, well, for the king, King David, speaks as one who's guilty. He goes, guilty of what? I didn't kill that guy. And that the king does not bring his brandished one, Absalom, home again. And then she goes on. For we surely die. We will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. But this is, this, here's the gospel. Yet God doesn't take away a life. He devises a means so that his brandished ones are not expelled from him. 
Meaning, David, you got to come up with a way to bring your son back. So this part, God devises a means, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. Did, did God know that's all that's going to happen? Yes. From the beginning of the world, before the foundation of the world, God knew I was a sinner. God knew you were a sinner. And he provided a means, a way of escape. There's only one way. His name is Jesus. And so here in the Old Testament, you see this picture of the missionary heart of God that he wants to pass on to me and you, but we get in the way. We go, I don't want to share with that guy. I have attitudes to him. Wait a minute, you won't forgive him? David, you're a hypocrite. How am I a hypocrite? Well, Absalom murdered, you murdered. You're guilty of the exact same thing. Well, plus you abused your kingly power. Remember he had sent his people, go get that woman, I want her. And you committed adultery. So he should have been put to death once for adultery, once for, for murder. But David, God forgave you. As soon as you said, I have sinned, Nathan the prophet declared, God's forgiven you. How? He's found a means to forgive. It's the gospel. It's God's heart. He doesn't want anyone to go to heaven. He wants everyone to repent. David repented. I'm, I'm the man. I've, I've sinned. Okay, but now you won't pass that on to others. Help me with this. Make sense of this. God forgave you, and you did so much more, but you've refused to forgive your, forgive your own son. So we know what Jesus would say. We go back to... The Sermon on the Mount in, in, in chapter 7 of Matthew. Remember that Jesus, remember, he came to the poor, brokenhearted, captives, blind, the oppressed, said, David, you're a hypocrite. That's what he would say. You're a hypocrite. Remove the plank from, does this sound familiar? David, you were forgiven of a lot more. Remove that so you can see enough to try to remove the speck in your, in your son's eyes. So here's the way to be on mission. I need to see the work of grace that God did in my life. You do too. Before we quickly pass judgment on somebody next to us or somebody on the street or someone on the TV, we have to be able to say, Lord, you have forgiven me of so much. So pass it on. This is a mission call. Pass it on to the poor. How can I pass it on? Yeah, there's all kinds of ways you can reach the poor. Not just money. How about time? How about showing up to the brokenhearted? Do you know when I go to the brokenhearted, I don't know what to say. If you know what to say, could you write a book so the rest of us could know what to say? Paul said, to the weak, I came, became weak. He didn't say, to the weak, I, I give this sermon. <laughs> to those hurting, I hurt with them. I become all things to all men so I could win some more. And, and so, oh, I, I can go to the broken heart. It doesn't say, as soon as you know what to say. No, just go. And the Holy Spirit will give you something. Maybe it's a hug. Set the captives free, the blind, the oppressed. Can I let you know something? 
It's no fun being around oppressed people. It's depressing. They want to bring you down with them, and you're like, I don't know what to say. Just like, get out of it. Go. Submission call. Submission call. Why don't you also go to the rich young ruler? Whoa, 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 whoa. You know those privileged people? The divas? They're, they're the rock stars, the TV stars, you know. That, that. Why don't you go to them too? Because I have issues. I have issues with them. I have issues with people who say, love is love. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you know you just paved the way for pedophiles? Because the pedophile loves that. Love is love. I'm just attracted to the younger generation. No, no, no. Or, you, you know, are you attracted to the, the guys selling drugs on the street corner? Or the sex traffickers? Or those who were caught up with Epstein when he was flying young girls internationally and then older men would go do their thing while they're over international waters? Do you have a heart for them? So we're talking about loving the unlovable. And the mission call is not that I go to those I feel comfortable with, though I will go to those as well, but the ones I don't feel comfortable, the one whose sin is disgusting. That's why Jude said, you know, some are easy to share with others. You, you, you hate even the garment polluted by the flesh, but you still try and reach out. That's the mission call. So on mission with God, it's not a call to be guilt-ridden. Some of you here are saying, man, I've never led anyone to Christ. You're part of the majority, unfortunately. And we're not here to beat you, and you're, I hope you feel guilty enough to do something about it. That's not a motive. I hope you love Jesus enough. I hope you love people enough that you'll just step out and say something. To be salt, to be light. So don't be guilt-ridden, but understand you have a responsibility. Remember last week, if I'm a new creation, I become an ambassador, and I have a message, be reconciled with God, all right? So here's what we share, four points. I'm gonna share, you go, wait, you just did this last week. Yeah, and I've done it many times, and here's why. I want it to be automatic, that you might totally blank, first time in your life, totally blank out, what do I say? Four points. I say that because one of our missionaries, Jim Jordan, we're gonna have a video of him pretty soon. I think it was Jim said uh, he was coming to church, just a heathen, and he's all by himself one day, or night, whatever, and he knew the sinner's prayer because he heard me say it so many times at the end of the sermon. Father, I'm a sinner. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please come into my heart. Forgive me my sins. I'm yours. And because it was so familiar, he just prayed it and got saved. Now he's a missionary. Flies all over the world, teaching others how to teach. So we're created in the image of God. You did not ooze out of the slime. A monkey's not your uncle. Good news. God, it took God to create your eyeballs and sight and feelings and a heart and a mind. And, but, but we've all sinned. The Bible says we've fallen short 
of the glory of God. I mean, the glory of God is Jesus, is perfection. <laughs> we fall short. Number three, he so loved us, he sent Jesus. Number four, surrender to Jesus. I, I use the term surrender now. I use it, oh, let's just pray, ask Jesus in your heart. It doesn't really convey enough. That means like, okay, I raised my hand in church and now I'm going to heaven. I'll live like the devil the rest of my life and go to heaven. No, 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 it's a surrender. My life for yours. So I use this a lot at the end of sermons, but a lot is just up there and you might not ever see it. But like I said, we're not here to get just education. We're here to get a missions call. Your mission field might be the Philippines. Chances are it's not. It's interesting, years ago we had these missions, we had one mission going to Tahiti, which is awesome. I mean, seriously, you go see Chopu, it's nuts. We had another mission that uh, the same year went to smuggle Bibles into China, which was fantastic. You go to the Great Wall and all, just wonderful stuff. And everybody, I wanted to have a big decision. Should I go to Tahiti or China? And Bob Presser goes, anybody want to go to Cincinnati? <laughs> You've got a big call. You've got to call to Tahiti, call to China. How about your neighbor? How about the guy, the rich young ruler? How about the guy who's clueless? We have a lot of skaters a lot of surfers, have a lot of marriages going through it. We have a lot of wayward teens. Each one is a mission field. So when I say, you're now entering your mission field, that's what I mean, and what do you share? Oh, I share, listen, you're created in the image of God. I don't care what they say in school. The Bible says this. You've sinned just like I have. God sent Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. Maybe it's your turn. Maybe you're the next Jim Jordan. The guy who's come here and heard all this talk and then Holy Spirit just brings back this prayer. A prayer of surrender. Completely changed his life.